right to your hosts of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. Welcome to Down the Garden Path, where each week we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down to Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host and co-author, Matthew Dressing. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it's important and possible to have great gardens, which are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen. That's right. So cannabis and its use has historically been a hot topic in North America. But on October 17th, 2018, subject to provincial and territorial restrictions, the Canadian government legalized its use across our country. Tonight on the show, we're joined by Sarah Osterley of Empress Gardens to share her knowledge on the art of cultivating cannabis. Are you growing cannabis? What is your favorite strain? Perhaps you have a question about your cannabis for Sarah. We'd love to hear from you. Write us at downthegardenpathpodcast at hotmail.com. And don't forget to stick around for the end of our show for our Stepping Stone segment, where we answer more listener questions and give you timely tips for your garden and landscapes. And just before Sarah joins us here on the show, a little bit about Sarah. Sarah owns a gardening company called Empress Gardens that offers consulting on all plants, including cannabis. Sarah has a red trade seal and diploma in horticulture and a grad certification in cannabis production. And don't forget to uh, tune in to all of her uh, social media, et cetera, as well. So welcome to the show, Sarah. Hi, thank you so much for having me. We are very excited to continue the conversation on cannabis. We had a few shows before, but you know what? Joanne and I admittedly don't grow it. Uh, So we are very excited to be joined by an expert uh, or someone with lots and lots of production experience and growing. Uh, So before we jump into that hot topic, why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, Empress Gardens? Where are you operating, your services you offer, et cetera? Yeah, so um, Empress Gardens, I run out of the Wellington County area, so Erin, Hillsburg, um, Fergus, uh, pretty much anywhere kind of in and around Guelph, and then in Halton Hills as well, Um, and we offer consulting services, uh, and that includes cannabis too. A lot of people don't really feel comfortable asking about questions about cannabis, uh, but a consult is a consult, and if you need help with plants, we'll be there. Um, and I'm also able to do online consults too. So I just recently did a consult in uh, New Brunswick actually, which was pretty interesting. So yeah, I can be right there in the garden with you and kind of directing you to do things while you're doing it in real time. Very cool. Very cool. And was that specifically, was that a cannabis one or just a general garden one? No, that one was actually trimming a cedar hedge and a lilac hedge. Oh, Oh, wow. That's great. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. I, and I've done a landscape, not not live, but I've done a, a landscape design with someone from New Brunswick as well. So yeah, so New Brunswick, go New Brunswick. <laughs> <laughs> and it's amazing. I think that's one thing that's really opened up is that borders and distance doesn't really matter anymore, right? We can really help. It's about just connecting with the right person. 
Absolutely. I admittedly have never been to New Brunswick. Um, so I've worked there and I've never actually been there. Um, That's right. pretty interesting. <laughs> um, I don't think this would have been available even 10, 15 years ago. So oh, I, I curse technology every day, but that day I was definitely thanking <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's definitely good and bad, right? With our yeah. lives. For sure. No. For sure. Now, do you do landscape design consultations or just gardening? Not just, but gardening consultations? Yep. Yeah, I'll do design consultations and gardening consultations. Um, so I learned uh, landscape design kind of the old school way uh, on an old drafting table to mm -hmm. scale drawings. Um, so I'm not really too great. Like I said, I curse technology every day. I'm not too great with software, um, but I can do I I will do uh, to scale drafts or even just a simple concept drawing just so people on the spots can get the idea of what I'm trying to convey and I um I'm constantly trying to work on my tech skills so um bear with me <laughs> yeah no no problem well if you ever need um, do you have software like are you using a particular one that you want to use I have used uh Dynascape very very briefly in the past and got very angry at it and walked away and decided a pen and pencil or pencil and paper are much easier <laughs> <laughs> well I can we can that can be another topic you and I can you can oh, you know maybe the off season but we can like in November we can meet and I love Dynascape and I can whip you into shape no problem so maybe we look into that but that's like a totally other show right <laughs> <laughs> all right so back to this show <laughs> Not that that wouldn't be a great show. Uh, cannabis. Let's talk a little bit about the anatomy of a cannabis plant. Why is it important for us to know about the, you know, the, the anatomy of a cannabis plant? What's so special about it? So um, after going to uh, grad school for cannabis production, I kind of realized that a lot of people don't realize what the actual product is. And I, a lot of people actually think that what you're smoking is the leaves, um, and it's not. It's the flower bud. Um, and to get a little bit more specific, cannabis is kind of similar to a poinsettia, whereas it has bracts and then it has a flower in the middle. And so when you look at the picture of a, of a cannabis bud and you see those um, kind of petal like structures coming off of the side, those are bracts, and, which is a modified leaf structure. It's not what you're going after. That's actually the stuff that you trim off after you've harvested. What you're going after is the flower bud, which is pretty tightly compact up against the stem. So that's number one is kind of figuring out what you're actually trying to harvest, mm -hmm. um, which is not the leaves. <laughs> um, and then the second thing is understanding uh, the way that the the stems and the, you know, the, the petiole is like the little stem that comes off of the leaf kind of understanding how those are structured and cannabis, unfortunately, because it was under prohibition for so long, there was so much inbreeding that happened. So you will get plants that will start off with an alternate um, kind of pattern okay. uh, with their branching. And then eventually along the way, it will kind of turn into an opposite. Um, most cannabis leaves have five um, leaves, like little uh, they're compound leaves, so the leaflets, I guess they would be called as five little leaflets. Um, but again, because of genetics and because of such bad inbreeding, you can get leaves of seven. You can get, I just saw an Instagram picture from one of my old classmates who had a leaf of 11, which is pretty oh. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>, whoa. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't a Japanese maple leaf? Like, was nope. that? <laughs> <laughs> it looks kind of like it. But. Yeah, I would think so. Oh. 
right? Oh, so the leaves, so even though we're trimming away the leaves, it's the flower buds we're after. Can the leaves be used for any other like product that we can create, whether it's recreational or otherwise? Um, not necessarily the leaves, unless you're trying to make your own mulch, I guess. But um, the stems are what's used in hemp fiber. So way back before prohibition, um, hemp fiber was the biggest commodity around. And that's what they would use into like cannabis rope. Um, right. And also that's what they would end up grinding and milling up to make. So canvas, like the what we paint on a canvas, that root word is canna. And that comes oh. from cannabis fiber. Oh. So, yes. Yeah. So we lost a lot of things during prohibition. Forget like the whole psychoactive component, but just our mm -hmm. main, main fiber source completely switched after prohibition. So, mm. yeah. 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 There's a ton you can do with the, with the, with the stems and the fiber. Yeah. Interesting. So it's not just, yeah. So it's not just a drug plant like everybody thinks. Right. No. And so there are a few different cannabis species um, that you end up hearing about some, uh, I'll let you go into it maybe, but what are the different species and are there differences between the species that we're, we're using? So, um, typically like the ones, the hot ones that you hear about are indica and sativa. Yeah. Uh, and the third one I'll get into in a little bit is uh, ruderalis. Please forgive my Latin pronunciation. I have a bit of a twang. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, but um, because of prohibition, people were kind of smuggling seeds in and trying to breed on their own without actually knowing what they were kind of getting into, backyard breeders. Um, unfortunately, it is very hard to find, almost near impossible, to find strains that are 100% indica or 100% sativa. So when you walk into a legal dispensary um, and they tell you, oh, this is indica, indica dominant, this is sativa dominant. They have to put that word dominant because that's what is, um, you know, most showing within that right. strain. But it's not going to be 100% indica or 100% sativa. Like, I think you would have to go to, like, India, the, the, what is it, the Kush Mountains to actually find, like, a, a straight-up indica okay. plant. Yeah. Um, so that's those two. Indica is usually, like... I always say indica into couch. It's very, <laughs> it's very um, uh, makes you sleepy, makes you drowsy, makes you kind of couch locked. And sativas are more psychoactive. So sativas are the ones that a lot of people will like to consume and then go for a dog walk or uh, start cleaning their house. Um, so not every cannabis strain is going to knock you out for a couple of hours. Um, and then uh the second one uh, ruderal or sorry the third one ruderalis that's actually an auto flowering um species right so okay. there has been some breeding between indica sativa and ruderalis but you know it's pretty much ruderalis when it's an auto flower so auto flowers they have a determinate life cycle which means after they have hit you know, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, whatever it is, whatever the weeks are, they, every strain is a little bit different, but mm -hmm. um, those ones will just automatically start to flower no matter what their light conditions are. Um, a lot of people really like them. So those ones are native to like around Russia, 
um, more colder environments where they can't really rely on the night and the day type of thing they just need to get their flowers out and kind of hurry up and live their life <laughs> okay so do they have a shorter because of that do they have a shorter growing season yes yeah, so like you, from growth to harvest kind of thing yeah and you will know that so when you are buying seeds um you it'll say on the package like uh with if it's an auto flower with ruderalis it's an auto flower it'll say on the package like 10 week flowering or eight week flowering or and typically if you're going after an auto flower you you want it to flower as soon as you can oh okay so why does that why do you want it to flower as soon as it can so uh typically people are choose an auto flower because they are short on time so oh, okay, you okay. Want to, it's they're really good for running a perpetual harvest system Mm, okay. Uh, oh, so, okay. and they're more reliable. So you uh, you know it's absolutely going to flower at the eight week mark or at the ten week mark, and it helps okay. you kind of get a perpetual harvest schedule going. Right. Um, now the other ones, sativa and indica, those are short day flowering plants. So those will not start to flower until the night gets longer than twelve hours long, and um, typically that's the summer solstice that's june 21st and it usually takes i want to say one to two weeks to start seeing little flower buds starting to pop up mm -hmm. okay so Real they're like moms in that in that in that yeah. sense right right they like their moms exactly okay. yeah so when we talk about all these strains how do we produce it is it just like a classic hybridization we're just taking um you know the the traits that we like from sativa and ruderalis and we're just crossing them to get these effects yeah so strain it comes from the black market that word comes from the black market so okay. a strain is a cultivar it's a variety it's it's based it's like a plant it's a plant right so right. um strain kind of comes from the black market but <laughs> um so yeah it depends on what the what the breeder is going after some breeders are going for um you know, really high THC. Some breeders are going for the effect of the cannabis. So, you know, indica dominant, sativa dominant. And there's a lot of growers that are actually going for flavor, which would be called terpenes. Um, so you, that's where you get your varieties called, you know, lemon skittles or um, orange tangerine and things like that. And the reason why they name them those names is because that is the dominant terpene within that oh. bud so it's going to i mean when you smoke anything it kind of tastes like ash um you more, <laughs> get, the, you more get the flavor when you're vaping um but honestly like if you walk into a room that is completely full of lemon skittles um cannabis you will smell lemon skittles like there's a reason why it is named uh, that way and you don't okay. really get to know that until you start <laughs> really getting comfortable with cannabis and you walk mm -hmm. into a room that's you know, got gorilla skittles, and then there's one that's got lemon skittles, and and I don't make up the names. The names are very hilarious. They're always <laughs> yeah, very funny. <laughs> Who's what is? But then I want to know what gorilla skittles taste like. But anyway, <laughs> so actually, gorilla skittles is a hybridization of gorilla glue and skittles. So what? Really? Is incredibly sticky when you're growing it. It gets incredibly oh. sticky, and yes. Okay. 
Yeah, so <laughs> I'm picturing like the gorilla glue, like the duct tape, and the like that. Yeah, line and I thought of... maybe it's the smell or something. <laughs> yes. like, I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, that's so funny. But yeah. yeah, that must be somebody's job to like. Na- well, and also same with plants, right? Like naming, you know, many of the plants. Like you know, the can. I, I took a picture of somebody's heuchera in a garden on yesterday, and like candy stripes, and I'm like, you know, like your all the different varieties they come up with. Yes, uh, the the pinky winky hydrangea and the big daddy hosta are always my favorite company. Yes, and I, somebody, <laughs> and well, we've talked about little ditty viburnum, and I've never haven't seen it growing. And I was in someone's garden also on Sunday, and I'm like, what is that flower, that that plant? And she's like, oh, that's little ditty viburnum. I'm like, oh my god, I've got to see it in a garden growing. You know, I pictures. <laughs> So yeah, little ditty, like that's so cool. But so yeah, so whoever that that job is always, uh, I'm sure, in demand, right? To name anything, whether it's cannabis or plants. Um, so that's good. So yeah, it's great that you. So you did a master's degree in cannabis. It was actually so. I don't think a master's is offered quite yet. Um, oh, okay. I, I started two years after legalization, so the only thing that was offered was a grad certificate. Okay. And I, and that was 2020. So that was very much fun going through grad school pretty much in COVID. <laughs> that was so much fun. Yeah, um, I'm sure. But I got a lot of knowledge from working at, I, while I was going through call, um, the grad program um, and afterwards for about, I want to say six to eight months, I worked in a cannabis production facility. So not a dispensary where they just kind of sell you the stuff and tell you what it's like. And we were actually hands-on, excuse me, hands-on growing, um, testing the pH every day, testing the EC every day, testing the runoff, everything. There's, there's a lot more chemistry that goes into this stuff yeah. than people realize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For real. So as you're talking about growing some in production, what about at home? So what are cannabis just general growing conditions? We want to start some cannabis and get some different, types going what do we need to have so you want to have a really really sunny spot and a really hot spot the thing to keep in mind with these plants is they are just like annuals they are tropicals right so you want you want to give them that tropical environment you want to have as high of a humidity as you can there is such a thing as too much humidity so if you're growing inside nothing over about like 55 60 percent relative humidity um but outside you know, if you've got a drier vent that just happens to be in full sun, plant a cannabis plant there. It's perfect. They love the heat. They love the humidity. And they are water suckers. So give them as much water as you can. Nice. Okay. So what about soil as well? Is there a soil type or structure that they prefer? Um, they do like well-drained soil. So, um, you know, I do, I do operate in Halton Hills and I know just under the escarpment there is full of clay, mm-hmm. red clay, mm-hmm. not a great environment for cannabis. You want to amend that soil with some triple mix, even some sand in, in some places where it's really, really clay heavy. Um, we want to amend that with some sand and some peat too, because like I said, they're huge, huge water suckers so the people yeah. kind of help to keep that water moisture in so that mm. you can go to work during the day yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so. in that situation it wouldn't make more sense even because they will grow in a container right they will grow in yeah. a nice large container so if there's someone who has doesn't have great soil then you're in control of amending the soil in in a large container yeah um, we have grown it in the past and, and we've grown it in a large container yeah, yeah. Con- containers, honestly, if you're if you're working with some really bad soil, then I would say just grow in a container. 
um, with the little asterisk being, um, I don't know if you've heard the metaphor, like a fish will only get as big as its bowl type of thing. Yeah. Almost all plants are like that. So um, if your container is only like a five gallon container, you're not going to get those photo worthy 10 foot high cannabis plants. It's just not going to happen. So the bigger the container, the bigger your plant will be able to be. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because uh, there's a lot of pictures online of people growing them in recycled boxes and stuff like that, and they yes. that's much bigger, and then they get they get taller. Yeah. But do, so, do people really need a ten foot pot plant though? Like, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. With cannabis, it's a lot of quantity or quality. You you right. kind of have to pick and choose. So if you do have those ten foot tall cannabis plants. The buds that you're actually harvesting are not going to be as great because the plant has put so much energy into getting that tall through its vegetative state. It doesn't have a whole lot of energy left to actually produce quality buds, which is why a lot of cannabis facilities will actually, you only put them through maybe one or two week, maybe three week veg veg state. I'll get into what that means later. Um, So when they start actually to flower, they're only about a foot tall. Um, So it's quantity or quality. You kind of have to pick one or the other. Mm, yeah. So if we're growing from home in containers, what, how would you say we wanted to pick quantity over quality? What would be your recommendation? I like to go for a happy medium um, because you want to get a good, a decent harvest. The legal limit for Canadian households is four plants per household. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to get enough that it's actually worth your time and effort but you don't want to be smoking or ingesting, consuming um, garbage, right? So I would say, and if you're growing outside too, you don't really get a say in um, when your plants switch over to flower because it's all about how long the night is. Um, But that's where pruning comes in, um, selective pruning. So I would say you really outside at home for plants, you really don't want your plant before it starts flowering, you really don't want it to get more than I say four to five feet tall. And then, and then you can selectively prune out as you go along. If you see a a flower stem that it's not looking too hot, it might make it, but just cut it off and and Mm -hmm. save the energy to go towards the buds that are actually going to produce good quality stuff. Okay. So with four to five feet tall, is there specific containers? We were talking about container restriction in the growth. Is there like, do we need like a 10 gallon or can we do that in like a recycle container type thing or? Yeah. Recycling uh, containers. Now that I think I've never seen that before, but that's a, that's a really good idea. Um, I really like that. I would go for anywhere like a, maybe a 15 gallon pot. Um, I, like I, I personally, I have a lot of tree pots just kind of kicking around. Yes. Those things always, <laughs> always yep. seem to last. Um, so those are great. Um, even if you have like a raised veggie garden, okay. that's a great, great option for it as well. Mm. Right. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. And now that the, with the red raised veggie gardens, they don't tend to be as deep. Like they certainly are wider. Is that like a better thing? Like then the roots will just kind of expand or do you, do you need the depth? You do, you do kind of want to have about, I would say like a two, two foot depth for them okay. to be able to go down, but really they're, they're more sinking their roots out laterally. They're not, mm-hmm. there's not okay. a whole lot of downward growth. Like there's no major tap root that goes through. Mm-hmm. The roots are very fibrous. Very fibrous. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, we've got a few questions popping in. Um, I know you talked about terpenes before, uh, but there are also some other compounds that we're using, we're harvesting for uh, our, in our cannabis. Monique asked, uh, hello, Joanne and Matt, what is CBD? That is a fantastic question. So um, a lot of people use CBD to kind of relax. Um, what I think a lot of people don't understand is, so there are a whole bunch of different cannabinoids within the flower bud. That's those little crystals that you see on the pictures um, mm -hmm. kind of coming off. They're the trichomes. And within those trichomes, there are a bunch of different kinds of cannabinoids. And CBD is one of them. So um, the two main components are THC and CBD. They, uh, they cancel each other out. So if you have someone that has consumed too much THC, give them a bunch of CBD mm. and they will be fine. Mm. Um, and, and same with like, it, it goes vice versa, right? So THC kind of brings you up and CBD brings you back down. Um, which I think was why a lot of people use CBD medically and therapeutically because it doesn't have the psychoactive component, but it, it brings them down. It kind of helps with the pain relief. It helps with a lot of stuff. Yeah. Anti-inflammatory, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. I've recently heard about like CBN. You know, yeah. what's CBN? So, um, if I can remember from grad school. So <laughs> I believe, so they kind of go through stages, right? So they eventually degrade. So there's, uh, it starts as an acid. So it'd be THCA. And then it, it drops the acid, goes to THC. And then it goes to CBG and then CBN. Those two might have be flip-flopped. And it's the same for um, CBD. So they it starts off as T CBDA the acid, and then it will degrade into CBD, and then will eventually degrade into two other ones. So that is why cannabis has a shelf life. You really don't want to be consuming cannabis that was harvested anywhere from six months to a year ago, because it naturally degrades into its later stages. Okay. So what is the shelf life of like a harvested crop? Typically, it's about six months, six months to a year. Um, you can, <clears throat> excuse me, you can, um, freeze the stuff to try Ooh. and help stop the, the degradation. Okay. Um, but when you freeze it, a lot of the trichomes will fall off and you will have a bunch of plant material and then you'll have a whole bunch of, um, um, like crystals essentially at the bottom. Right. Um, okay. those crystals are still good to use. It's just not necessarily still on the flower bud. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and then the cannabis facilities, when they're packaging, they, their packaging rooms and their drying rooms, their curing rooms, they're all set at a specific temperature, relative humidity, and a light point to try and reduce this degradation as much mm -hmm. as they can. So they have um, a really good system to try and make the cannabis as shelf, like the longest shelf life it can while it gets to the facility, uh, the dispensary. Yeah. And so is there a way to increase the desired um, cannabinoids in our plants? So if we're growing for, you know, CBD and low THC, can I do something to pump up my CBD? 
Absolutely. So first of all, um, if you if CBD is what you're going after, you need to go for a CBD dominant strain. The 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 dominance will be within the genetics, right? So it'll either be THC heavy or it'll be CBD heavy. So first you want to choose the right strain. Um, And then second off is, so the other plant that has um, trichomes is stinging nettle. So Mm -hmm. if you think about it like this, the stinging nettle, the more stressful environment that it's in, the more trichomes it will produce. And it's the same with cannabis. So cannabinoids are actually a defense mechanism for the plant. Humans just so happen to have an endocannabinoid system where we can process it and we love the stuff. So that's fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. So it's actually a defense mechanism for things like high UV, drought tolerance, um, to keep the deers away. Like if a deer comes and nibbles on your plant and you get it away before it eats the whole thing, your cannabinoids will increase. So there's a strategy called gentle stressing. You can gently stress your cannabis plants to get a higher cannabinoid count. Like with a fan or just touching it? Or I just feel like, yeah, everybody's going to run out. We've got Ray who says, very interesting show. I just called seven of my friends to listen who are cannabis users. Thanks for the information. So Ray and all his friends, we're going to go and like shake the plants, right? Is that a... <laughs> no, you don't want to, you don't want to beat up your plants. Okay. okay. Um, when I say gentle stressing, I mean things like exposing it to high amounts of UV. Um, you could do some drought tolerance, like you could stress it with water a little bit. Um, okay. You could put it in a windy very windy area that will kind of knock but please don't go at your plants with a baseball bat (laughs) (laughs) or tennis racket or any of the above right (laughs) one of the other um things that i learned uh in the program was um you can gently stress your uh cannabis plants to produce more cannabinoids and more terpenes with aspirin so you i know it's salicylic acid That's the active ingredient in aspirin. It's also a poor man's rooting hormone. So um, (laughs) this is what uh, I do with my own cannabis plants is I would say once every two weeks, I crush up one or two aspirin, put it in a spray bottle and mix it with water and just spray it on the leaves. And that will gently stress your cannabis plant into producing more cannabinoids. Okay. Interesting. So it sucks it in through a foliar application, and yes, interesting. Oh, wow, that's I've never heard of giving plants aspirin. <laughs> yeah, that's very cool. Win. You gotta appreciate Sarah. Like when it gets sciencey, Matt gets like so happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love aspirin for everything. It's salicylic acid, so it's a, it's a poor man's rooting hormone, and it's also a gentle stressor for cannabis and tomatoes. Oh. Honestly, it helps to increase the taste in tomatoes as well. So really. Yeah. Ooh. Well, I'm gonna get my tomatoes some aspirin <laughs> yeah. here for sure. Yeah. I have to say the lifespan part because we have grown. You know, my son has grown it, and um, the what you harvest is a huge amount, and the fact that it only. You know, like, so for someone like I know that it's legal to um, Jane is asking about the basic rules about cannabis here in Ontario. And it's, you know, that you can grow four plants, but that's a lot of cannabis. Like by the time you dry that and process that to get it, through that in six months. And that's why um, there, you know, a lot of people will freeze their, okay. their harvest or at least part of their harvest. And um, I think that's why a lot of people, too, will have a perpetual harvest going 
but with shorter plants indoors so that you're not harvesting so much at one given time. You're not just sitting there with like four pounds of cannabis wondering what to do with it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's also why I recommend going with quality over quantity because you could end up like you could get a pound off of each plant and then you have four pounds, but is it really, is is it worth consuming at that point? Like it's Mm. not going to be, the best that you've ever had and you put all this effort into it and you've got a whole, like four garbage bags worth of garbage. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. True. True. Mm-hmm. As yes. we reach the bottom of the hour and we continue this very interesting conversation all about uh, the basics of growing cannabis with Sarah Osterley. I just want to thank everybody for joining us here live on reality radio 101. Thank you as well. If you've downloaded the podcast and you're listening from home or maybe on the way to work. We appreciate you as well. I'm Matthew Dressing here with my co-host and co-author Joanne Shaw, and you're listening to Down the Garden Path. Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week, bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and from the wonderful guests like Sarah Osterley of Empress Gardens who join us here on the show. Don't forget you can spend more time with us down the garden path. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and now YouTube at Down the Garden Path Podcast is our handle there. Don't forget you can find us on your favorite podcast providers. And as while you're there, please hit that subscribe button to be notified of new content. And don't forget to like share, and leave us a comment. We love hearing from you. If you have questions for Sarah or for us at any time, you can write us down the garden path podcast at hotmail.com is our question or is our uh, address there. <laughs> you can also check out our websites. You can find Joanne at www.down2earth.ca and myself at naturalaffinity.ca. That's right. And so thank you, Matt. Um, So we have another listener question. You're both going to laugh. So this is Brian. And he said he was going to ask a grass question tonight. But I guess I will ask you a different grass question tonight. Um, Do folks and then I and Brian, we laughed because that was one of the things we said to Sarah is that despite (laughs) whatever our topic is this evening, someone will ask a grass or lawn question. And there you go. Thank you, Brian, (laughs) for proving us right. So but he does ask a, a good question. So do folks actually become addicted to cannabis? Lots of folks think it is a gateway drug to other substances. Thank you. I really appreciate this question. And I think this mindset around this question is kind of what helped uh, prohibition be so prolific. So there are no addictive qualities, physical addictive qualities to cannabis. Um, When we're talking about narcotics, it's something like um, maybe like cocaine that is physically addictive. And it's also mentally addictive. Cannabis has no physical addictive qualities whatsoever. If you smoke cannabis every day for 10 years and then one day you go cold turkey, you will not go with uh, go through withdrawals. Now, this has an asterisk to it because anything can be mentally addicting. If you give someone a stick and tell them that they have to carry it with them everywhere for the rest of their life, and then check in with them three years later and try to take away that stick, they will have an emotional reaction. You can get um, mentally addicted to something, um, whether it's a teddy bear, whether it is a soother for a kid, whether it's mm-hmm. sucking your thumb. Um, so that it's, it's more habitual. Like the addiction mindset is kind of more habitual than it is physically addictive. But 
if you have ever smoked a cigarette in your life, it's it's nothing like smoking cannabis is nothing compared to smoking cigarettes. Like so, nicotine, yeah. So yeah, you should be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. Interesting, interesting. We have another question uh, that came in, and kind of going back to our growing, we were talking about. Uh, the buds being the part of the harvest that we're after, not the leaves and the stem. But Frank has asked, uh, hello, down the garden path. What is the male slash female plant stuff? Wow, what's the difference? How does that work? I'm so glad that he asked this because I wanted to circle back to this. Uh, so there are, with any plants, there are two kinds of plants. There are monaceous plants and diaceous plants. Mono means that there are there's one plant needed to reproduce. They have both male and female parts. Then there's dioecious, which means there are two plants needed. There is one female and there is one male. And you need two plants in order to reproduce. Cannabis is a dioecious plant. There is a male plant and there is a female plant. Now, with that being said, this astonishes me and I still more research is needed. I've tried to find the answer to this, but because of prohibition, there's not a whole lot of answers out there that are from a reputable source. Because, so cannabis is a dioecious plant. So you have a female plant, you know it's a female plant. It's guaranteed feminized seeds. If you stress your plant out too much, so there's gentle stressing and then there's extreme stressing. So if you Mm -hmm. stress your plant out way too much, it will start to pop out male flowers. Um, and I don't, I have tried to find if cannabis have just a recessive set of genes that they use and they just pop out. I don't know where the genetics of that are coming from, but I do know that, um, this is how we get feminized seeds. So if a female plant pops out one little strand of male flowers and then so happens to self-pollinate itself, the seeds that you will find in those flower buds are guaranteed feminized seeds because it's essentially a female breeding with a female. There's no male in the, in, in the question whatsoever. So that is how you get things like guaranteed feminized seeds. Oh, okay. So the male yeah. is a stress response. The males come out, but it still has the female genetics. So the yes. cross-pollination is still viable itself. Yeah. And those seeds are female genes with female genes. There's, they're guaranteed feminized. There's no male genetics in play. That's correct. Okay. So if you know that you have all female plants and then when you're harvesting, you find a couple of seeds, don't look at this as a failure, set them aside for next year and you will guaranteed have female plants next year. Okay. So it means that if you see the male flowers starting to appear as well, rip it off rip them off okay yeah. and if when it, if you miss it like because i've heard of people they'll rip them off i've heard of other people who literally just trash the whole crop because they're just yeah oh. um so if you're in if you're trying you shouldn't be selling what you grow at home because that's not <laughs> yeah in, in the cannabis that's, act. that's a, com- that's a com- co- coming up question but go yes. ahead <laughs> yes. no you're not legally allowed to sell you're allowed to gift to friends and family there cannot be an exchange um but anyways um if uh, like when i was in a cannabis facility if we found that a certain percentage of the crop had we call them hermaphrodites so if a certain percentage of the crop had gone hermaphrodite hermaphroditic then we would trash the whole room because the standards of what they're selling in dispensaries can you can't have seeds you can't have stems you can't have anything 
right. a seed, a seed when you're growing at home, a seed to me is a gift for next year. Mm-hmm. So like, don't, don't be sad about that. Like it can, if you see a male flower, rip it off as fast as you can, but those things are tricky. They get right, right in the crotch of a branch. They hide under little spots. The male flowers are incredibly elusive. So mm-hmm. you might miss one or two. And if you do, mm-hmm. you have a couple of seeds. Look at it as a gift for next year. If you find that your entire plant is absolutely covered in male flowers and then all of your flower buds have gone to seed, I would trash that whole plant. Mm-hmm. There's really no point in that. Yeah. Um, because then at that point, like the, the plant has stopped putting its energy into producing the cannabinoids and has put its energy into producing the seed and, and mm-hmm. getting the seed to finish. So if your whole plant is covered in seeds and male flowers, then at home, I would scrap that one. But if you only find a couple, just look at it as a gift for next year. Yeah. And isn't there an impact if like your neighbor is growing and their is plant is a male plant that can also affect your plant? Because I know when we my son started growing it, then the neighbor who gave him the I guess the baby plant made sure came over and to make sure that his weren't male, you know, because it would affect the uh, quite a, quite a distance. Right. Um, yes. Um, I'm sure you guys are aware. Pollen can really travel. <laughs> it yeah. can really travel those that pollen, pollen, little, little yeah. things. They are designed to travel thousands of kilometers. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in reality, you really shouldn't be worrying about your neighbors. If, if they're growing it, to consume cannabis, their best, their goal is to have it be female as well. Right. The only time that you should really be concerned about what your neighbor is growing is if you live beside a hemp farm. (laughs) So hemp farms are grown for uh, fiber. Um, So they don't care if it's male or female and they, they, they're not going to care about your four little plants in your backyard. So as long (laughs) as you don't live near a hemp farm, everyone's best interest is to have females. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just think the new people, like when you're just starting out and you're not sure about some of those things. So yeah, that's great. It, that's a great explanation. Yeah. 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 It's, it's good to be due diligent, but I don't think you need to be scouting your neighbor's backyards. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And, and back to Jane's question, you know, the rules and laws. Um, so four plants per person, um, per households, right? So no, so per household, not per person in the household. So four per household. Um, yes, you should not be selling what you were growing, right? It's for your own consumption. Are there any other rules that people should? Um, I believe that you are allowed, like if you have like, if you end up harvesting like four pounds, I believe that you are allowed to gift like friends and family a little bit, you know, like you can like toss some to your sister if you want, right. provided that there is no transaction. Right. Um. And then the other thing to keep in mind is that legally you are only allowed to be walking around with 30 grams. So be careful if you do gift somebody something and send them home, make Mm -hmm. sure it is under 30 grams. So the reason they made it 30 grams is because um, there are typical um, quantities of, of cannabis. So you like one gram, three and a half grams, seven grams. Uh, which is a quarter ounce, and then you've got 14 grams, which is a half ounce, and then you've got 28 grams, which is an ounce. And so they wanted to stop people. So if you go to a dispensary and you buy an ounce, which is 28 grams, if you have forgotten that you have like a tiny little bud kicking around that fell out of your bag and it's just in your trunk, they don't want people to be paranoid about that. So they've given you a two gram 
leeway. Oh, okay, leeway. So, mm. Yeah. So you want to go with an ounce, um, but if you are an everyday user um, and you you a bud fell out of your bag and it's just kicking around in your trunk, like you, they don't want you to be paranoid about that. So 30 grams is the law. Okay. Okay. And Robert's asking if we can get a license or permit to let us grow to sell our own cannabis. Um, yes, it cost millions of dollars. Um, and <laughs> no you have bank, to sell a lot of <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No bank and no credit union will touch you as of yet. Um, so you need to fully fund this yourself. The other thing is, is in order to get the license, you need to have a fully established facility empty of plants, which means it needs to pass. So there's um, when you're getting involved in this kind of stuff, there is CRA who needs to approve you. We love mm-hmm. them. Um, and then there's Health Canada. So Health Canada comes and do, does regular inspections of dispensaries and of grow facilities. So you need to pass all of the Health Canada it's it's a laundry like it's, yeah. it's a laundry list of things um which that in itself costs millions of dollars yeah um to be able to pass the health canada standards and then they will grant you a license so okay. um if that's what you're after i wish you all the best of luck. <laughs> yeah, there you go robert <laughs> um so what if we can go back to actually the growing of the plant so you you know you um it would you put it out like a tomato plant, right? After the May long weekend, that typical kind of growing season. Um, and we've already said that we need good soil and a good amount of water. Is there anything else? Do we need to weekly fertilize? Do we need to, and that foliar spray sounds like a great idea. Yeah, so um, I would, so when it's in its vegetative state, so before it flowers, um, you wanna be feeding it pretty high nitrogen Um, So in in the fertilizer, you want the first number to be the highest number. Um, And then once it flips to flower, you want to switch and you want to feed it a high phosphorus. So um, when it's flowering, a good old 15-30-15 is always a great go-to. And then the other thing that I wanted to touch on. So once it's done flowering, a lot of people ask me, how do I know when to harvest? Mm. How, How do I know? So the rule of thumb is, is um, you can see like the trichomes, they look like little crystals and they will start to turn color. So first they'll be clear, then they'll kind of turn into a milky kind of opaque color. And then once you see that some of them are starting to turn into an amber color, that's when it's time to harvest Mm -hmm. because that amber color is when it's starting to degrade into its final stage, like CBG, CBN. Um, right. type of thing so um, that's how you know that it's got almost all of the cannabinoid whatever CBD THC that mm-hmm. you're going after and some of it has started to degrade so once you start to see amber harvest okay and you can even use an, um, a magnifying glass right or is it do you need a magnifying glass well I don't because I'm, I'm blind and I have a very high <laughs> prescription so all I have to do is pull my glasses a little bit away from my face and then I look like I have magnifying glasses um, but <laughs> Um, a lot of people probably would like to have a magnifying glass or even your camera on your mm. phone has a good yeah. zoom function yeah. nowadays. Okay. That's good to know. Like, but day wise, it's usually Canadian Thanksgiving. Around, right? around there, provided yes, that yes. You, you planted at the right time. And that yeah. for some reason it's not sitting in a, in a shadow 
Um, right. So like I have had friends that have grown and it was on the shady side of their house. It ended up getting shade and went into darkness sooner mm. than um, a lot of other people's plants. So I had friends that were harvesting, you know, a couple weeks after Labor Day. Typically, if you've planted it right, it it should be around Canadian Thanksgiving. Yeah, Canadian Thanksgiving. And I do apologize because our American listeners who can't grow legally right now, I guess there's some, there are some states, right? Um, but uh, yeah, so thank you for listening. And then you know, hope you enjoyed learning a bit more about it. But uh, but this has been a great, great show for sure. We've got a few more questions too. Yes, we do. Uh, Katie has written in, Joanne and Matt, isn't all of the medicinal stuff in cannabis available in pill and or oil form instead of smoking it? So is maybe it's, Sarah can get to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so with uh, legalization came tons of options. So if you have asthma, but you still want to consume cannabis, you can go to, a, I don't suggest making your own oil. It's uh, It can be very dangerous. There's ex- explosive solvents involved. So um, if you are looking for that option, I recommend going to a dispensary, buying the uh, oil of the cannabinoid that you're off- after, if it's CBG or THC. Um, you can get it in pill form. Um, and you can also, if you don't want to smoke it, but you want to grow it, um, because it can be expensive at the dispensary, like, let's be honest. Um, so if you want to go that route, you can grow it, harvest the buds, and then you need to, it's called, called decarboxylation. So the reason why we are able, if you just eat a bud, you're not going to feel anything. Nothing's going to happen. So it needs to experience some heat in order to release that and put it into a form that they will access our endocannabinoid system. So I recommend you can put it in a slow cooker. You can put it in the oven at a say like maybe 120 degrees, 130 degrees for about half an hour ish, 20 minutes. And then it should be decarboxylated. You take all that, throw it into a brownie mix, a cookie mix, you can even baste your turkey with it if you infuse it into a butter. Um, you can do a whole three-course meal that is completely infused with cannabis. Oh. So yeah, you can yeah. So you can do it doesn't have to be sweets either. A lot of people go with sweets. You can do if you infuse it in a butter, you can put it in mashed potatoes, you can baste your turkey, you can there's a lot of stuff that you can mm-hmm. do with it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, you can mix so in the slow cooker, right? Mix butter with and do it all that way in the slow cooker and that releases the heat yeah and there's also mct oil you can do coconut oil there's mm. and you'll find online there's recipes and there's how to's for how to decarboxylate it just not necessarily how to grow it um right. so um yeah you'll find a lot of stuff online for how to infuse mct oil coconut oil butter pretty much any it needs to bind to a fat so you can't mm. just like make a tea out of this stuff and right. needs to bind to a fat so you could put it in heavy cream and then how do you Right. Okay. So if our listeners wanted to learn more, because there is tons, um, and Donna has written in and said that, uh, you know, does your guest have a website on all this? Wow, too much information to comprehend, and I want more. Thank you. So where can our listeners go uh, besides re-listening to this episode, uh, which will be posted shortly? Uh, where can our listeners go to learn more about growing cannabis? Where would you send them? So I would send them, you want to find a university that has a research growing license. 
So University of Guelph is one of the biggest ones. They've had a research growing license since before legalization and legalization just helped them expand that. Mm-hmm. Um, so University of Guelph is great. Um, Niagara College is well, my alma mater. Um, Niagara College is great. Um, and I believe there's a couple, I think Queens University also has a research growing license. So you want to find that. Um, but essentially, when you're Googling things, like it's kind of hard to figure out who's got a, a lot of places are quiet about that because they don't want to mm. get broken into. So mm. when you're going through, you Google your question about cannabis, you want to first click on Google Scholar, number one, and you want to go to all the sites that end in edu. You don't want a .com. You don't want a blog. You don't want to go to some Um, just any guy that's growing in his backyard um, just kind of telling you how to do these things you want to go to a .edu uh, website and because then they're they're peer-reviewed right they're Mm peer-reviewed they're trialed they're tested and you know that what they've posted they checked 10 times over and had other people Mm -hmm. check it before they actually posted it that's good now do you have any information on your website at all for I don't actually have a lot of information about cannabis on my website a lot of my um, clients for the other services that I offer are um, of the older generation. They are boomers and quite conservative. So I don't necessarily put a whole lot of this information on my Mm -hmm. website because I want to be accessible to all people, Mm -hmm. um, no matter what your beliefs are. um, And Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily want to exclude the older generation because they see a picture of a pot plant on my website. So, um, (laughs) but you can always email me for a consult. You can ask me questions. You can email me. You can give my business line a call and I will be happy to answer all of your questions. I just don't have anything published um, to try and not exclude any demographic at all. Right. Yeah, no, that makes sense for sure. For sure. Although I think uh, the the older demographic, because of the need for pain relief and, and inflammation. I think they're coming around, uh, you know, but you're right. Gummies are expensive, you know? Um, so yeah. Yeah. Um, so gummies can... are actually quite easy to make at home too. If you infuse oh. it into a coconut oil and just put in a gelatin into a mold, it, that's pretty easy too. But yes, I agree. I agree. The, I think the older generation boomers were so, so much against cannabis and, you know, reefer madness and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and then they got older and started experiencing extreme joint pain. And then they had nowhere else to turn to because opioids are not a great option for anybody. Yes. Um, and there's a whole epidemic for that. So, um, yeah, a lot of the older generation that hated the long hair hippies are now starting to turn to cannabis, <laughs> which I really like. I really yeah. enjoy that. Yeah. And oil is another option, right? That you can just put some drops of oil Um in your, in your mouth or under your tongue kind of thing. So you can get the, you know, and I think when prescriptions are out there, when you, if you go to the doctor and get even a prescription for that, um, you know, they can be very specific with the, um, the amounts um, and depending on what you were, you know, they can really tailor it to your ailment. So that's something to to talk about. Absolutely. And there's also doctor as well. Yes, yes. And and there's also there's topicals as well that are available on the market now too. So mm-hmm. if you have skin problems, you can get a CBD cream that will I've heard that it helps. I haven't tested this on so it don't experience eczema or psoriasis, but I've heard that it really helps with that kind of stuff too. And it's a non steroidal option. So mm-hmm. um yeah. 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 It is, it is a, a miracle plan, I think, in some ways. And, and uh, the more we keep learning about it, I, I think that's, uh, that's great. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. It helps so many different diseases and disorders like the the benefits that it's given to the epilepsy community is will just bring you to tears. If you look at videos of people that have severe epilepsy and they're non-functioning and then they start using cannabis medicinally, it's a world of a difference. They go from mm-hmm. having 30 grand mal seizures a day to having maybe one a month. So it, it lets people live their lives. It's it's mm-hmm. honestly, I can't believe that we even went through prohibition. Yeah, yeah. Well, luckily it's here and I think it's here to stay <laughs> for a, a lot longer. And I think all of our listeners uh, really appreciate uh, you joining us this evening. Donna wrote in as well. Joanna and Matt, you could do on the show on this subject every week. So interesting. <laughs> thank you so much. So thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us here down the garden path this week. Um, I will have all your, uh, your email, your website, your Instagram, empressgardeningservice.com. For those who are wondering, empressgardeningservice.com. You can find Sarah and all of her social media there as well and more about Sarah. So thank you again for joining us on sharing all the your wonderful information on uh, growing and growing cannabis. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. Oh, good. I'm glad. It all was right, a blast. We'll be in touch. All right. Sounds good. Okay. Thank bye you, Sarah. Now. All right. Bye. Bye. Yes. What a great show. Thank you, everybody, for all of your wonderful questions for Sarah. Um, great questions. Question, oh, do we? Can I talk? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. There's okay. <laughs> <laughs> just rounding out the show. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, the questions were fantastic, and they gave me an opportunity to address a lot of the things that people were just hammering at me as soon as I got out of the grad program. So, um, yeah, the questions were absolutely great. Oh, good, good. So you'll have to find us, find this episode, which will be, I'm sure, a very popular episode. The basics of growing cannabis on all of your favorite podcast providers released very soon. That brings us to the end of another episode of Down the Garden Path. Can you believe it? How the show flies. Join us next week, same time, uh, same bat time, same bat channel. I don't know if I can say that, but uh, (laughs) next week for uh, June 12th, we're going to be uh, joined by Plantsahut, and we're going to talk all about carnivorous plants, the plants that eat. Uh, other bugs and things like that so join us uh tamara is a wonderful owner has a wonderful uh growing carnivorous plants operation very exciting episode coming next week so thank you again everybody for joining us here on uh reality radio 101 and we look forward to talking to you next week next time uh again on down the garden path goodbye bye Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your hosts, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing, right here on Reality Radio 101.